Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's got a big, spooky sack of mail. I'm Alex. When you walk through the darkness, there's one shining beacon, which could be anything from a candle lit in a sexual bunker or the delightful glow of the milkshake shop window. But when that light goes out, what? Do you do? I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And there is no Riverdale this week, but instead we are going to do a Riverdale mailbag episode Ooh, for mailbag you. Mailbag up. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We yeah. got a bunch of great questions and theories and suggestions, I guess. I don't know, whatever the third thing is, over on Twitter. And we're going to read through as many of them as possible. Apologies in advance if we don't get to all of them. But... Before we get to the letters, I did want to talk because today is a semi-momentous day. As we are taping this, on Friday, June 16th, there is one week until Riverdale wraps production forever. That's it. That's it. That's crazy. I'll tell you what. um, Madeline Patch put up a post, and initially I thought it was her rap post because she was like, Longest project yet, TBC, and it was pictures of her like crying and hugging Vanessa Morgan and Lily Reinhardt. I was like, oh my god, it's all happening! They're leaving the set. I think she was just being like, wow, we have one week left, reflecting on it. And she yeah, was, she was probably just doing a photo dump. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I gotta get, get space on my phone, so I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah, put up some pictures of me sobbing yep. uncontrollably. Uh, whatever <laughs> it is, though, all of these things, all of these things they're posting, it's really making it come home to me that... How you doing? Oh, you all right, buddy? I st- uh, Legitimately, when I saw that post, when I thought it was her last post, like they really said, I was like... <gasps> Hitch, a little, a little hitch. In my little chest. hitch. Wow, yeah. a little hitch. Well, you know, it'll be the last one when, um, when Betty and Archie get married and they see mm-hmm. the right. last don't photo. Ruin this. Don't the start cast. out like that. How dare you? This is a fun app. Right. This is a right, be- right before I, I they think- all shut down their Instagram accounts, they're like, add one more post. Here we go. Yeah. And I think KJ Appa and Lily Reinhardt are also that they have to get married at the end of the mm-hmm. show just to really be fully. <laughs> don't put that on them. You're an actor. You know better. Right. No, other than the fact that that KJ App is happily married with a child, sure, let's go forward with that. Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention, this is apropos of almost nothing other than you mentioned this a couple of episodes back, Justin. I was like, really? That doesn't seem right to me. But uh, you had suggested maybe Roberto would be directing the final episode of Riverdale, and it looks like actually he is. You were totally right about that. Called Uh, it. Yeah, there was a photo from, I want to say one of the ADs or something like that of him studying the script in pops. And they were like written and directed by our fearless leader. So that's very cool. Hopefully uh, it's not in the fifties. Well, uh, yeah, internet sleuths figured out that the placemats on the table in pops in that picture were the placemats from modern pops, not the old timey. So it's all happening. It's good. They got, you got one episode piece. 
But I mean, think about it from Roberta's point of view. He's been uh, this show came from him. He's meticulously labored on it for so mm-hmm. so long. Like, of you course, he's going to want. He's going to want to have his hand. Of course, but I'm saying he's going to want to have his hand in as much of the creative choices as possible. And, you know, I don't know off the top of my head how much directing he's done, but like when you're on set for seven seasons Mm -hmm. of a show, like you've, it's in your bones and everyone there is supportive. You know, everyone like it makes total sense. Well, that's the thing that I was going to say in particular, one of the things this show has been great at and it actually widened out and say Warner Brothers has been great at in particular is that. Uh, they have a directing program. Sorry about all my dinging that's going on on my computer. Um, you hear anything. They, yeah, they have a directing program that where they train people up, like Major Amick did that, uh, Natalie Bolt did that as well. I don't know necessarily that Roberto went through that, but like you're saying, it's a really supportive atmosphere uh, that both on set and in Warner Brothers as a whole. Um, just to call out another show that I absolutely love, Dickinson, the showrunner of that, had never really directed anything before, and she directed the last episode. And I think that's a way of a showrunner, from talking to her about it, it's a way of a showrunner like putting their stamp and being like, this is my final message with the show that I've worked on yeah. for so many years. So I like and, it a lot. And, and directing for, for TV is, uh, you know, it's, it's almost conducting in a lot of ways. It's like you're really like the departments are – executing all the work and you're just sort of bringing it together when it needs to happen and and fixing problems as they arise um, almost nonstop the entire time you're on set. So it really is something that a showrunner is also training for in their mm-hmm. career. They are always doing that from a creative and overall story point of view and with with actors and characters and stuff. So it's a sort of an easy leap, I think. Similar yeah. energy. Well, let's get into your comments and questions and stuff. This first one is a fun one. Kick it off from Jules 20. Reflecting back on all the wild storylines of many villains throughout the series, from organ harvesting cults to tickle tape blackmail to bear boxing to cats in briefcases. Yeah, the real villain. (laughs) The real villain. What were your favorite plots and or which do you think were the most insane? Great question here. Pete, you got an answer for this one? Yeah, floating babies, most Mm -hmm. insane. Um. Yeah, and I don't know, like the one that weirded me. Wait, out are you the, sorry, real quick? Are you saying the floating babies are villains somehow, or something uh, a curse? Well, it's something that's hanging over my head. Uh, Literally, those floating Literally. babies. Yeah, at that the show's got to tie up before we leave. You can. What if that's just, where it ends? What everybody keeps talking about ships. What if it's the babies finally come down to earth? Yeah, exactly. Mm. That would be crazy. Um, but uh, and at also, the same time, they say. Bughead. Oh, God, don't. don't. Archie, Bughead. The one that haunts me the most is the uh, creepy video store uh, one. That was just Mm. too Mm. dark for me. The whole jelly bean voyeur storyline. Yeah, and also the the masks because of like the old timey Archie comics mask, the ones that sort of like did that. Oh, that was creepy as well. I love that. Yeah. That was definitely the most David David Lynch of all mm -hmm. of them and Twin Peaks. but also the fact that they just tried to throw in cannibalism every once in a while, just kind of being like, yeah, oh, yeah, ghoulies are cannibals. You're just cool. I would argue cannibalism was normalized in this show. They were just like, hey, who should we hang out with tonight? Well, the, the serpents are busy. They're like fighting uh, ghoulies, eating people. But if that's the <laughs> kind of night you want to have, that's the kind of night you want to have. Did you bring your hot sauce? We're eating people today. 
The most insane plot line, in my opinion, was the whole Cheryl has her twin that she ate in the womb who comes back as a spirit in Julian, this little sailor doll, particularly Mm. because not only was it that, which is bonkers anyway, but also at the same time, Jason Blossom's corpse was just hanging around the house. And also the only objections that anybody had was Tony every once in a while just kind of rolling her eyes and going... <sighs> babe, babe, being super supportive. Yeah, babe. she was super supportive. I to to a fault. I think in this storyline, it always felt like everything would come to a screeching halt whenever they go over to the blossoms out. Uh, on the other hand, on the other side, wait, wait, before we move, yeah. I just want to say, do you do you think maybe we'll get uh, somebody in the wall uh, before this is all wrapped up one more time? I will and say why we're in Cheryl's creepy house. That's where Penelope goes. If we don't get human Julian Blossom dressed up in a little sailor outfit at some point, they've messed up. This whole show. (laughs) It's all I want for the end. Or when they when they flat. When they flash back to present day, Archie punches the doll since he's <laughs> like 50 times in this season. Yeah. Oh my god. What do we I gotta on? give it hold yeah, on, oh, I gotta give it up. Said, yeah. I gotta give it up to uh Edgar Evernever getting on the the rocket. Uh Kevin's organs. Oh I'm assuming in his uh All right, when his, Kevin lost organs. His kidney clutch, as it were, the cat <laughs> briefcase accessory, kidney clutch. Uh that was a crazy one. Um the, I mean, the, the scariest, I guess I would say two for sort of actual fear was the Rivervale app when Archie had his heart taken out. And some Not of the, uh, yeah, some of the Gargoyle uh, King stuff was mm-hmm. like really yeah. unsettling. Yeah. In a weird way, and maybe this is just from us talking about it and not me watching it, but I've grown to have a real affection for season three, just with the Gargoyle King and the farm and all the insanity that was going on there. It feels like a fever dream, but the fact that the show went there and went there for an entire season and drove a good chunk of the audience away in the the, uh, meantime, um, I appreciate it. I appreciate the ambition there, even if it didn't necessarily work all the time. And you don't you you have to do a Gargoyle King uh, farm to get to uh, superheroes 1950s flashback due mm-hmm. to explosion comment all that like and the, yes because like that was sort of like how much can we do how wild can we take this they learn the lessons there and i feel like this season is a much more mature understanding and pushing on the borders of what it means in this show like they dispensed with all that supernatural stuff and have been telling real stories about like what it maybe felt like to grow up in that time uh, for a lot of different point, points of view. But you're not still kind of watching a little bit being like any second a bear is going to step out and take a swipe at Archie. Like there's, the- I, I, I no. will say I am if keep expecting that. And I keep being pleasantly surprised that it doesn't happen, that they've managed to, at this point it's 11 episodes, I guess that they've held on two or 10 episodes. The first episode was time travel weirdness where they've held on to this idea of we're in the fifties and this is what we're doing. And this is what the show is. And there's still some goofiness and there's still some funniness, but it feels like it comes directly from the comics versus the wild insanity that we've dealt with, with Riverdale for years. Are you saying bears aren't serious? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, Bears are so unserious, Pete. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. I can't take bears. I can't take bears serious. Oh, come on, man. All they want them. is honey. Get out of here. 
Let's go on to a big one. Pete touched on this a little bit earlier, and we got a ton of comments about this, so I'm going to read off a couple of real quickly. This is from Betts Archies. What's your opinion on the show staying in the 50s until the series finale? Don't you think it's a waste of the real characters? Petchcam said, (coughs) excuse me, I just need to know if the whole season is going to be in the 50s or not so I can be okay. And Arbrissette 22 says, we're not possibly staying in the 50s. Nobody knows anything BS. Even if they filmed the last episode in the 50s, they're going to catch on soon and spend a while trying to get back hopeful theory. So what do you think about this? We've talked about this a lot. Pete, I know you're very negative about the whole 50s thing. So how are you feeling about it? Well, it's not that I'm I'm negative about the whole 50s thing. I'm glad that we uh, went to the 50s. I think some of the storylines were great. But, you know, you'd like to see kind of what the show started with you know, visit these people in real time, let them get back to a present day so we can kind of figure out our ships that we've been pulling for and all this kind of stuff. You know, I don't want it to end in the 50s. I would like to at least, you know, where where are these characters? Where do they go? What happens to them? Give us a little something. We spent so long with them. It would be nice to be able to spend some time in the present day with them and see what happens, not just the last two minutes or maybe not even at all, that would be too much for me. I couldn't take that. I, would, I need some present day closure. But well, I, I don't understand why, because to me and think about it and the answer maybe because like these are the core characters. We are with the characters. These are the most yeah, it's not uh, present day. This, it's but, So what? The original comics were back in the day like. Sure. What, I just don't know what do you need them to have cell phones? Because like what? I feel like they are the most interesting versions of themselves and we're learning more about them and have a larger picture for them now. Yeah, but where when you they spend are. time with somebody, you want to see what ha- you know what I mean? They're like, the same. You can't just They're go- the same. You can't we started a, a journey together and then you can't just be like, ah, they're stuck in the 50s. Thanks for watching. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I want to see what happens. I want to see who goes where and what happens. Well, hold on. Like, here's here's what I'll say. And I'll, this is something or a variation on something that I've said a bunch of times over the course of this season. I understand where you're coming from, Pete. And I understand where people are coming from in terms of a lot of these characters are acting differently on the surface. They're, Archie is more, ah, oh, gee whiz, pure and innocent, and he does punch people sometimes, but he's not dealing with the same amount of rage, or at least not showing it. There's, we're probably going to talk about this later on, but there's been a lot of discussion about Horny Betty. How does that connect to the Betty we have? Some of the characters seem very close to uh, how we've known them for the previous six seasons. Like, Veronica is pretty consistent. Tony is pretty consistent. Cheryl is consistent, but playing a lot younger. I'm not going to go through all the characters, but my point being, like, there are definitely variations there, so I do understand where people are coming from in terms of this is not the Jughead that I've necessarily watched for six seasons exactly the way he is, but, and this is why I do not think it is a waste at all. Like Justin no. was saying, that germ is still there and it wants to get out. And that is I that mean, tension. Hold on, let me finish. Okay. That is that tension that is making me very excited while I'm watching this season because those little glimmers, those notes we see of the characters we know they show that the writers know, okay, there are these essential parts that make these characters who they are. We put them in entirely different circumstances where it's not just Veronica and now she's a superhero and she has poison powers, but it's Veronica and now her parents are different and she's younger and it's the 1950s. How does she get to the place 
where we know who she is again. How does she make that journey? That's what we're watching these characters on. Yeah. And even if uh, I have to see the finale to see how it executes, like obviously there's a million ways it can go wrong. But even if there is just a montage at the end of five minutes, we're working back to the characters. Ultimately, it's about where are they for the rest of that episode? Like, where are they for the previous 35 minutes? Because if it is Archie being like, oh, gee whiz, I'm perfectly happy and everything is great. And then in the last five minutes, he zooms forward in time and he's like, well, now I'm married to whoever, you know, like literally. Question mark. Question mark. That's probably not good. But if there is an emotional growth that happens over the course of particularly these next nine or ten episodes or so leading up to that, that's what we need to see. And I think, I feel very confident based on the way the season is going, that's what we're going to get. It's not about them finding their memories. It's about them finding their character. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but I also think that, like, it was worth it. dismissive. <laughs> I was just waiting to talk, not listening. I am listening. He's making a lot of great points. And... I, I can uh, appreciate the thought and passion he's putting into it, but I just don't agree. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know how, how I'm supposed to react, but my point is You're I'll agreeing. be here You're in the 50s. <laughs> I'll be here in the 50s because it was worth it for Kevin. Like, I've never seen Kevin happier. This mm-hmm. is the first time Kevin has been like just such a oh, side character that's constantly getting. I mean, he's not losing organs. He's got a relationship. I'm super happy for him. Um, we'll it, for me, it'll be worth it for Kevin if that's the only joy I can get at the end of this for walking away. If they f me on all the other ships, and well, but stuff. let me ask you. I'm not saying it's so that- not. I, I, I'm not saying it's a waste of time to be in the fifties. I'm not saying they're not doing amazing things and telling great stories and having character development and all those amazing things. But I'd also like to go back to you know present day where so we can walk away clean because this is the last episode now is it more that you want to get back to stuff like bughead that you love or are you like i need to see their story completed i need to see their graves no not great i need to see their corpses lowered i need to see their corpses at an old age after many years of life, their corpses lowered into graves and be like, don't that get me story, wrong. I'd love more seasons to see what happens to them. I'm, I don't want it to end, but I think that it would be nice after all this time, we could get them back to present day to see what, ha- how the fifties affected them and move mm-hmm. them forward or push them back or whatever. I, I, That's I, I agree with that. I would much rather like forgetting about what I said, just on a base Done. level. Well, no, no, no. But like forgetting about, uh, obviously I'm going to be fine if it's a good episode. That's ultimately what I care about. But I would prefer to have a way where, like we've talked about, they wrap things up in the second to last episode um, plot wise and then spend the last episode with the characters and finding out about them. Um, that's what I prefer. But I don't know. I'm going to follow the journey wherever it goes. Well, let me th- like the reason why I'm, I don't mind. I want them to tell the story. If they go back to uh, the Cretaceous period, I'm here for it. Because I think with the at the end of the day, these these characters are like they're American myths. They they are like iconic. They are like these the the, the, the legacy that we've had throughout all these seasons, where we went back and saw all of the parents are the same actors who play uh, the our gang. 
were played playing their parents and it was the same type of relationship, same things that happens because it's a larger story. It's a story of throughout all time. We're always like, who's shipping who? Who's going to hook up? What are these things? And where where did darkness seep into our lives, this town, all of that. So those two big polar polar themes are run through this show. So like as long that to me is the show. It doesn't matter where like Be- Veronica ends up living. It, it to me it's much more like where do we where does he where does the show get away like just push these characters off whether it's a time place anything it's larger than the time period yeah but you've also said that you want at the end to see F Palace you know on a motorcycle together riding off into the sunset so it's fine to do it in the fifties though I just want to see them getting into the F Palace I want to just watch, watch them having sex on a motorcycle is that <laughs> weird am I weird. <laughs> Yes. One of the coolest places to have sex, honestly, yes. a moving motorcycle. Uh, I just wanted to jump back and say, you mentioned the Cretaceous period, and having Archie get eat by a dinosaur, like in the last episode, that would really pay off on a lot of stuff that they a saw lot of stuff. in the pilot. I yeah. don't want to mention the scenes. Everybody knows what scenes I'm talking about, but it would really yeah. pay off on those scenes. No. Yeah. Let's move on to another one. This, uh, I like this one. Uh, Blood Blossom, except with X's instead of O's, says, are there any pairs, groups of characters you wish had more scenes together this season? Plus, what shenanigans would you have them get up to if it were up to you? Great. Great question. I've been missing the full gang. We only Mm -hmm. got, I think, one big scene in this most recent episode where everyone's hanging out. Everyone, you know, as the seasons have gone on, I think they've all been going on different journeys. Veronica, I think specifically, is sort of off on her own. I wish we had more full full gang scenes and sort of storylines going forward. I uh, I love Veronica and Betty's stuff is always really great. Uh, but I also think that, uh, you know, we need to bring back the bughead crime fighting team. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just... It's a big part of the show. I, feel, I do feel like we need to have something on that before the season ends with the Milkman mystery. It feels like they keep, they literally had that episode where they just missed nice. each yeah. other and they keep referencing it and touching on it in certain ways. Like that uh, that episode, I think it was last season where they teamed up to solve the Mothman stuff. Where it's yeah. thrilling, it's thrilling to watch them together. So we need to have that, even if it's not in a romantic sense, just like in a detective sense. I absolutely agree on that. Um, I I think I said this a couple of episodes back, but I love the nerd group, and I'd love to see more of that. I think where we last Dilton. left Ethel, that's going to be a problem. But Ethel, Dilton, Ben, and Jughead, very fun. Wow, uh, tossing Ben in there. Ben really leaving a mark for you. Well, he's part of that foursome. I think there would be potentially fun things to explore if they... If they want, I think that obviously the one that I can speak for all three of us is um, don't speak with, for all three of us. Wither Chick. Mm-hmm. Where's Chick? Where's the real oh, hero oh, of Riverdale? Oh, 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 I thought oh, you were talking about, uh, sorry, I thought you said Weather Chick, and I was like, I'd love to see my classic ship, Chick, and Mr. Weatherby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We Weather got to ship, ship them all. At the end of this season, ship, ship them all! all. <laughs> this is from Jughead Jones. Uh, 3J, this Whoa. one this one will be uh, very non-controversial. Are Varchie and Bughead Endgame? <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. I don't know what's Pete, controversial about that. Pete, that's a crazy that you finally revealed your burner account right here <laughs> on the show. Well, it's the last season. I figure I'd, you know, this is the time it, to reveal. It's, 
know? even this question is worded in a very Pete way where it's like refusing to acknowledge what's the circumstances that are happening around just being like, <laughs> I want this. Let's say it now. <laughs> Bughead for life. Those are I mean, one of, I, by the way, this is uh, apropos, not of uh, nothing, but like my favorite asks that I get on Tumblr are the ones that start with, don't you think? And then it lays out some sort of theory. I'm like, no, I don't think that. How do I respond? Yeah, you this? think. Don't yes, I think is what it should say. Yes. Um, I mean, I would say, and this is. I mean, for, uh, let's just unpack that a little bit. Like, I think what they're trying to uh, uh, express is like, hey, hear me out here. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be rude about it, Zalbin. They're sharing something. You have the common thread of a show. Oh, no, no, trying no. To I always appreciate. You. Oh, you, if you're talking about that, I always 100 percent appreciate anybody who takes the time to write literally anything or talk to us in any way. It's just funny to me, the phrasing, because like Justin was yeah, saying, yeah, I just don't like, want to. Undercut, yeah, yeah. Do you not exactly. think that uh, Varchi and Bughead are endgame? And yeah. then the answer is like, I, I do not. Yeah. Can <laughs> you, you think? Want your preference. Can Some you other people that? do. 100%. Well, but, and let's to answer the question directly. We've talked, we talk a lot about the the decreasing likelihood of Bughead because of the way, what the, the clues the show is leaving. But I will also say, same for Varchi. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like that's any more viable a thing. Like, it feels like this show is doing much less of the mystery and the like, ooh, what's it going to be? It feels like the show's not interested in that as a central question, which I also think is like interesting, smart, like gets us out of expectations. And that's not to say a Bughead or Varchi thing could swing back in, but just right now, the way the show's reading the chemistry of it, it's just not interested in those couplings or even questioning where any of those characters are going. I have a follow-up question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but uh, don't you think that's a little bit problematic because of, like, the fact that, like, these ships and these things, like, really started the show in a – like, starting with Bughead out of the box was such a bold, amazing move. You know what I mean? Of, like, oh, my God, these two together, that's that's such a cool, fun choice. I didn't know that this could be so interesting. So – I just think that I agree with you, you know, intellectually about what you're saying, Justin. But the problem is through the show, I've become so attached to a couple for whatever reason. And it probably doesn't make sense. But here I am (laughs) pulling for something that Mm -hmm. isn't real. And that's the show. You know what I mean? Like. You should. It, it is real, and what I what I want to see. I feel like the show is also saving sort of talking about all that stuff for later. Yeah. Yep. And like, because I agree with you. Like, if if I was in your position, I would be like, please acknowledge this. I like <laughs> this. <laughs> we started here, but I, so like, I do think that we'll get that for sure. There will be some sort of reckoning of all that. But I mean, think about your life. Like, how often are you like? Ah, time to get back in touch with my high school partner and, like, make that happen again. Like, no, of course not. Right, but there is part of me that thinks that, like, Jughead needs to at least talk to Betty and apologize, like, be like, yo, there there are things that we don't know about the nights and the, the voicemails and all that kind of stuff that would nice to just be, have some closure on so I could walk away and not keep hoping that, Whatever will bring them together might happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. If hot dog agent comes through and is like, 
Dad, Jughead, I got a new gig for you. Dating Betty. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Pete. And I know a lot of fans feel the same way. And I do think you're right in a sense. It depends on how circular they want to make the story. You know, like, do they want to say, OK, we're in the final season. That ties back to the first season. There is no straight story that they have told over the course of seven seasons. I would challenge literally anybody to be like, here is the story of Riverdale. And I know if you're a hardcore shipper, you're going to be like, well, the story of Riverdale is that Betty and Archie were in love and blah, blah, blah. And here's how that's consistent over seven seasons. But it's not like the I'm talking about literally the plot of Riverdale. If you're like, hey, dad, can you tell me a good night story? And I'll be like, sure, (laughs) here's the story of Riverdale. And then. 12 hours later, you're still not done. And the, yeah. the kid is and like, that's when they drag you, you out of your home <laughs> into the straitjacket. Right. And that's true. That's not just a knock at Riverdale. That's true of literally any ongoing TV series, particularly ones that have a longer than 13 episode long seasons, but even ones that have 13 episode long seasons, because there's no way of making a straight, cohesive story there. There are points you can tie up, but that's it. But what I also like about that is that that's like life, especially what it's like in being in high school. Like mm-hmm. if we went back and were like, tell tell me the story of what you were like in high school, it, it would be just as convoluted. It would also probably be as but weird. The show like, isn't on realism. You know what I mean? Don't mm-hmm. bring realism into realism. It's not Dale, real. I, it's not I'm saying it's a documentary. What I'm saying is like but you're saying feels, that's what life is like. No, I'm saying what life feels like. I'm saying it, it okay. is touching on a themes and feelings that I think are universal for people when you're growing up, where you're like, yeah, there's this thing where we one night we drank a bunch of beer and made wizard staffs and we all spoke in this weird wizard language for the night. That's a real thing from my life. And that's <laughs> almost Gargoyle King. That's very much approaching. What well, weird nobody turn. was murdering anybody, dude. You know what I mean? You didn't get chained uh, to a fridge. It's heightened for Why television. Is that your I, thing? Why is that your one thing? It was weird. He, it it happened. Happened. Don't stuff. come. I didn't do it's it. Real life, did, Don't be it's mad real life. It's real life. It's real life. I didn't fight a bear, but I was trapped in a culvert with a beaver once in one summer, and that's pretty close. Well, this is fun. We're getting to know Justin facts. You're touching on something that I said earlier. I think the question, and we're not going to know this for a couple of weeks now, a couple of months actually, is. Are they wrapping up the story of this final season or are they wrapping up the story of the show? If they're wrapping up the story of the final season, I would argue that Bughead and Varshi are not part of the ongoing story. That is not where the story is heading. They touched on Varshi. They've touched on Bughead. But that's not the story that they're telling the season. If they are telling, finishing up the story of the entire show, even if it is that long, convoluted Rube Goldberg machine of a plot – then do they need to touch on it in some way in the final episode or by the end? Absolutely. Because yeah. that 100% is part of the fabric of the show. How they touch on it, I guess we'll see. But at the current time, my head is at, I, I don't think they are endgame. But there's no way they're not tying up this as a series at the same time they're tying it up as a season. I sure. Think. And I, maybe that yes. is in a classic prestige show style, modern prestige drama, where it's like the second to last episode brings together all the plot. And the final episode, you know, sort of finishes all the character arcs and the larger, like, vibes and feelings and all that. This is from Johnny F. and Awesome. Why do Reggie and Archie continually have the most sexual chemistry on screen? I I mean, these last few episodes, I agree. Like, they are the sort of most in love with being around each other. 
and they're most invested in each other. And like, what was the line they said together? And like, literally, it was the most joyful moment maybe on the whole run of this show. Oh, I don't. It was like Mikasa Isukasa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, la- I wanted them to like high five, hug. Like, it, that was the most intimate moment. So, like, I agree with that completely. That's where the heat is right now. Yeah. It's great if they end up together. That's fun. Clearly, I, I don't necessarily feel a sexual chemistry, but clearly, like, Charles Melton and KJ Appa have fun together. It's fun to have them in this way where they're actually being friends rather than rivals. Really enjoying it, but it's that love you have when you have, you meet someone and you really connect with them on a friend basis. You're like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is a person I have been missing in my life, and I feel like that's really what's happening with Archie and Reggie. Gold Lion eighty four says many people find the one dimensional portrayal of Betty quote being horny as completely insulting to our once smart detective who could have a plot while being romantically involved. Betty is a shell of her former self. You have touched on this, but can you revisit this topic? Mm. Uh, I I can talk about it because I disagree, and I, I know I've talked about this before in terms of disagreeing. I and again I understand where people are coming from, but it isn't a one-dimensional portrayal of Betty being horny. It is a three-dimensional portrayal of a woman who is figuring out her sexuality. And I think that's what they're going for. This is a Betty who is not a driven investigator necessarily, but legitimately, like, I'm going to make an equivalence here, and I'm sure I'm going to get flamed online. That's fine. But I think in the same way where we've had six seasons of Betty being like, ooh, my darkness. In this season, it's like, ooh, my horniness. You know? Yeah. uh, no, Agreed. and here's why I bring this up is Dude. I think both ways they use shorthand in terms of words and terms, but there's a lot more going on with the character if you took a second and think about it. Okay. PP, I know your turn next. Just give me one sec to say I also think the structure of the show where we don't get a ton of time with all the characters because they just move so fast, it's harder for them to paint a full picture and using the shorthand you just said, Alex. Pete. Okay, first, uh, uh, shout out to the person who brought this up. Yes, it is frustrating. Betty, uh, from day one, was one of my favorite characters, and I feel like she's been benched in this last season. We've, when it was exploring her darkness, there was also our career. There was a lot going on with Betty. We haven't gotten a lot of that at all. And I feel like this is... This last season, I'm, we're hoping that she's going to get kind of unleashed or at least get, uh, you know, a lot more to do and explore. Because I, I have think this has pigeonholed her a little bit as a character where it's uh, all about her sexuality, which, you know, as Justin pointed out, when we're dealing with high school and hormones, that's uh, that's kind of a big thing that is consuming uh, at that age. But I, I think to the point of Betty as a character that she can be so much more and and be a lot of different things. And hopefully we will get to see that. And, you know, uh, but I, I do think underneath that is just uh, someone saying Betty is a great character. Betty is being underused. It's not as cool. Uh, I want more, which is a great thing to say and a great thing to want. Uh, especially for a character like Betty, who can be a lot of different things, as we've seen in this season. Like, you know, she's working on cars, she's doing different stuff, which is great. Uh, uh, but like Justin says, it's, you know, we haven't got, 
everybody's had to more turns. And it, what's nice is we're getting more Kevin, which is great. So there's a lot of give and take, and everybody can't always be in the spotlight. So we got to have a kind of a rotation, and and hopefully they have been working on doing that so people get more time. I don't see it as one dimensional either. I, I feel like while it is a lot of her action has been about sex or sexuality, like I feel like it's been explored in a ton of different ways. First mm-hmm. with like sort of reacting to Kevin and trying to figure out what was going on with that relationship uh, and seeing the possibilities of different sexuality and, and, and ways that people can be sexual to like put going on television and being like really flashy and putting herself out there rebellion through like her sexual repression. Like those, that's not all just her being horny. That's her finding an understanding of a place in the world through all of these things. And it's just sex is the lens that is in front of her right now, but she's really exploring a lot. Honestly, like the way you're talking about the darkness, like they use that same thing as a lens. She she explored a lot of things. And honestly, the most one note I think Betty has been was, when she was so like under Dumb. the cloud of Polly and just okay. couldn't do anything. And I was like, ah, I feel like this Betty's trapped. Well, Betty, this season, I feel like has been sort of opening up. I think we're going to see going forward. It's going to be her way to really like rebel against the, the repression and conservative nature of the entire town. And also, the other thing that say, I throw out there is Lily Reinhardt has been so funny and so good yeah. this season as well. Uh, Again, I understand what people are reacting to here, but this to me strikes me like in a much better action. I'm surprised to hear somebody would say one dimensional because a much more three dimensional way, the way a dude is treated in like a 90s sex comedy, except this time it's Betty and it's actually exploring it through the lens of developing feminism in the 1950s. So there's a lot more textures and nuance and history going on there. She's like one episode away from burning bras and marching on Washington. So there's really good stuff there at the same time. It's very funny and it's bright and they're having a good time. So the fact that they're able to balance all those things, I I think it's good. I'm sorry. Also, we should just mention this is also coming from three dudes. Yes, we should mention this is coming from three dudes. So if the Riverdale After Dark podcast, which is called Riverdale Before Light, I believe, that is hosted by Mm. three ladies, would like to respond, please do. Yeah. Our Hensela says, what are your guys' predictions for episode 13 titled The Crucible? What do you think Cheryl will do? Also, do you think when everyone gets their memories back, the couples that are together now but weren't together beforehand – will still be together. Two big questions there. Just to talk about the crucible. The big thing I think out of that episode is that Major Amick is directing. Mark Consuelos is coming back as Hiram Lodge. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's the big mystery there. Uh, Ooh, what he's doing there. Yeah. I was thinking about this way too much today. My big disappointment from that episode, because they put out pictures, he should have had a pencil thin mustache, like a raw Julia style mustache. Mm. He doesn't. Yeah. It's a real bummer. Your big disappointment is his mustache. Yeah. So my theory is uh, over the course of the episode, he grows some sort of mustache. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the crucible is will he uh, grow that mustache <laughs> before uh, he's outcasted from the town? I mean, uh, the crucible, uh, the, the names do seem to point to some of the the at least larger ideas of I, the episodes. I yeah, think that uh, goes back to a little bit of what we're saying of like, you know, the 50s are changing these characters and they're gross. So you'd like to think that it is, when we move forward in time, going to affect the characters. I think it would just make the show smarter for it. 
Uh, sorry, just to jump back to the Crucible thing, I believe this is the episode where they're going to be dealing with uh, communism. And in the 50s, there was a communist witch hunt under McCarthy. The Crucible was written by Arthur Miller, right? No, not Arthur. Uh, yeah. Uh, Arthur Miller, as a metaphor for the communist witch hunts using actual witch hunts from the Salem witch trials. So I do think we're going to be get investigations of communism. And maybe Hiram is a communist, we're going to find out. Great. And also a big part of that was generational um, like accusation and like interpersonal uh, grievances carried out in the public square that had was devastating for literally everyone. <laughs> And so. in terms of when everybody gets their memories Arthur back, Miller, couples yes. together now, uh, but weren't together beforehand. Yeah, I kind of think like all the couples that we have right now are the couples we're going to end up with at the end of the show. Boo, I think there's gonna be don't some, say that. I think there's some complicated emotions that are going to happen once they get those memories back. Um, but I don't you think. You don't know that. I don't think like Jughead and Tabitha, who are clearly on a collision course at this point, are going to get their memories back. And Jughead's going to be like, oh, I did date Veronica briefly in the past, so now that's my end she, game. She fixed my train car. Yeah. The the thing is, these couples that we're in now were sort of the ones on the table before, so mm-hmm. like, I don't think there's a lot of difference there. And I'm starting to think that the way they're going to deal with the sort of memory change is in the at the end of the play A Midsummer Night's Dream uh, by William Shakespeare. Ms. Pete, could you check Ms. me on that? Pete, <laughs> could you check Ms. me on that? William Shakespeare, yeah. I believe. Yeah, William Shakespeare. Uh, yum. A little bit too much now. You know, a little overblown. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Just a little over-franchised, William yeah. Shakespeare. Uh, but the way those characters, the sort of the young lovers come out of at the end, they're like, oh, that was, oh, they come out of um, the land of the fairyland. It feels like a dream where the memories fade almost instantly, but the feelings and the couplings remain. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would guess that's where we're headed. Interesting. This from Kemp from Brooklyn too. That's a good call, man. That would be cool if they kind of did a Midsummer's Night Dream thing. I just think that we don't know what the couplings are going to be. So to say, like, oh, that's probably yeah, we definitely don't know that. We don't know that at all. Well, why are you saying like that? Do you know something? I yes, I've been saying it for I don't know six seasons. Yeah, but you don't actually know. You haven't seen the last episode. You don't know how it's going to go. You have a feeling. You worked in television. You know how television shows work. So there's that. But I know right here. you don't actually know. I know Archie, right here. Jabatha, Shoni, Clavin, Mangs, and who am I forgetting? Who's, uh, is that? Uh, well, oh, from uh, Veggie, Veggie, maybe? Maybe? Like Astro? Maybe. That's the one. That's the one that I think. Uh, it's a little up in the air, but I agree. Those those are the ones. That you can't and predict the show. The show is unpredictable. Phallus. Yeah. All right. Let's put some money down, guy. Okay. I bet $1,000 that I'm correct. Pete, want to match? I don't have that kind of money, nor would I do that. That's oh, dumb. but you'd have the kind of money after you won the bet, right? Wow. You're deadly. You are deadly. How about one kidney? You can put up a kidney. I'll put up a thousand. We only bet in kidneys. Our buy in a poker night is one major organ. (laughs) We got a couple of others. I'm just going to run through right here. Uh, Kemp Brooklyn 2 says, I have a theory. What if the last episode of the season, something that is in the 50s, they go back to the present time, Riverdale, and Cheryl and Tony find each other. They want to get married. This is the best show theory I have. Could think of. Thank you guys for making these podcasts. 
Shoney wedding finale. What do we think? Yes. Oh, that no. would be amazing. Yes. yes. That would be yes. amazing. Yes. If that's not a centerpiece of the episode, I bet it's a piece of a montage that we drift past. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Shoney, 100% endgame. Uh, Trackaroon says, when will we see the knitted beanie again? Did Angel Tabitha leave it there? <laughs> I think that the last person to have oh, it was right. Percival after Reggie delivered it unto him. Did Tom nick it when they turned over the train car or did Veronica nick it when she decorated the train car? Oh, I think they just haven't brought it back because it was this dangling thing at the end of the first episode. And we are going to wrap back to it in some way by the end. But they don't want it to be this like thing that keeps reminding Jughead throughout the season because that's not where the story at. You had a good theory, didn't you, about who left it, Mm. Justin? Yeah, oh, I, I think this was tied to my theory that Tony actually has her memories and just hasn't told anybody. And it was Tony who left her him the beat. Oh. And I'll tell you what, that could still be true. Yeah. I think it would be cool if the last episode somebody hands it to him and he kind of puts it on as we, uh, you know, do a little fade to black. Yeah, uh, I would. It <laughs> <laughs> was such a sweet little idea. Yeah, very cute. I I would Please. love, I still love the Tony knows what's going on theory. Just this idea of like. Yeah. Cheryl gets her memories back and she's like, finally, that, that would be so uh, great to me. That would like make me scream and jump on my couch. Over. And we just see like a, uh, a Kaiser Sose style, <laughs> usual suspects flash of her being like, she knew the whole time. Uh, so good. Uh, two more. I'll read off here. Ryan Schmidt says, do you think the milkman murders are connected to any of the adults? For instance, Hal Cooper, Clifford Blossom, or Mr. Worthers, Dr. Worthers. He's a doctor. Right. Wow. Uh, but what do you think? We've speculated about this a little bit. Now that we've seen Ethel stab the milkman to death, what's your theory? It's. It seems like it's like, you know, we have this group of old people who are kind of running things behind the scenes here in the 50s, and they kind of like hired this hitman to do their bidding. Um, I, I bet, I think it could be something where they're all indirectly responsible in some way um like the uh what is that agatha christie uh story 10 little indians is that the one where that everyone unknowingly was part of the murder no i think that's yeah. murder on the orient express oh, yeah, orient express. Express. Yeah. yeah uh so like that could be a part of it or uh, i the blossom uh the blossoms feel yeah, the very blossoms suspicious are, yeah. mm-hmm. and evil they feel like on the evil side plus you know, we haven't dealt with the fact that Clifford Blossom has all these creepy wigs and stuff that he kind of changes into. Yeah, that stuff. hasn't really popped up yet. Uh, let's get one last one here before we wrap it up. Mishy41111 says, what are your plans moving forward? That is a great oh, question. Man. Because, yeah, we're going to be done with this podcast, ostensibly. That's crazy. Honestly, I haven't thought about that at all. (laughs) Like, I've definitely thought about this a lot because this was the first TV podcast we did to take it back. I assume people know this, but maybe they don't know this. But we've been doing a live comic book show called Comic Book Club for over 16 years at this point. And we do that every week. And when Riverdale was coming up, we th- said, oh, should we try doing a podcast for this? That might be fun. And now we have 
15, 16 other TV podcasts that we do, recapping yeah. everything from Marvel stuff to DC stuff. We've done stuff for Watchmen. Um, we've done uh, Sweet Tooth on Netflix, a bunch of other things like that. So I don't know what we're going to do with this podcast. I'd love to keep it going in some way, but I just don't know what that would be. There have been other quote unquote defunct podcast that we pop back in for an episode or two sometimes when other things pop up. So maybe we do that. But at the very least, even if this doesn't continue, we have so many other podcasts you can check out at comicbookclublive.com. So please do. Please follow us there. Hang out on Tuesday nights. Or if you if you have ideas maybe we didn't think of, feel free to reach out and suggest. You know? I mean, we talked at one point about doing Archie's Weird Mysteries, the mm. animated series, which is not quite as dark, but that could be fun. We should go back to the 50s. Reset? Uh, yeah. And do the original podcast, a radio show. Oh, that would be sick. If you would like to support this wait, podcast. Wait. Oh, yes. Wait. Go ahead. Before B. you wrap up, I just want to give a shout out. Um, one of the nice things about uh, Riverdale is I you know, got reached out to by a lot of fans. So I just wanted to shout out uh, uh, some people who are super nice over the years of Riverdale. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Argentina, South America, and Brazil, where all the Riverdale fans are and who listen to our show. <laughs> and thank you so much what? for that. Hey, specifically the well, entire country. I, I well, thought no, you were going to shout out some Twitter accounts that, or something like that. In that region who uh, listen to the podcast, they, they said, you know, because we're here in the States, they, they don't get any love. So I just wanted to give a sh- oh, shout out okay. to Yeah, that's very that's nice. nice. Those fans are legitimately fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's as we're taping this, they're getting ready for the Netflix thing to doom and they ha- they're doing it in Brazil. And I think part of the reason is Brazil fads go nuts for things like absolutely in the absolute Brazil best goes way. hard, so, man. Brazil goes hard. And if you would like to go hard and support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, as just mentioned, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Gargoyle, King, and Bear. My ship. Going on. <laughs> Never can I